This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. If you would, you can go ahead and turn to our foundational text, Romans chapter 5, verse 17, and I just want to read uh, the prophetic word coming into this season, Dr. Savell, Jerry Savell said, you know, 2020, God is opening up a new door of supernatural increase like never before. And to go along with that, this what the Lord told me of it being a, a year of ruling and reigning and running. This just came up out of my heart when I was praying over this. And it will be a year of ruling and reigning and running through the new door of supernatural increase like never before. There's a set time to rule, reign, and run, and that set time is now. Rule now, reign now, run now, so get ready, get ready, get ready. And part of our getting ready is being equipped with the Word of God, that God wants us to be just bathed in the Word of God, that when we wake up in the morning, all hell realizes, "Uh uh-oh, we're up, and we're at it, and we're fulfilling what God's called and created us to do. Amen? So in 2 Chronicles 20, 20, it says, Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. And uh, so I just want to encourage you to take that word, get it in your heart, um, and, and let's just become. Let's become everything God's called and created us to be. Amen? Romans chapter 5, verse 17, we're going to continue with this series on ruling and reigning in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. And Verse 17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, talking about when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, that choice caused death to reign and everything that's connected to being separated from God, all sickness, all curse, all lack, any bit of defeat, destruction, that that took place because of one man's decision. Then he goes on to say, But much more... Those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness say, that's me. So when we come into the family of God, it was by grace we were saved through faith, right? So we come into the family of God, we receive the grace of God, we were made the righteousness of God because we accepted Jesus. We're in right standing with Jesus. Say, that's me. He says, we'll reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So God's desire is that you and I reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. And the word reign means to have royal power and authority to dominate or prevail over every circumstance. Say every circumstance. Remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He says, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulation. He says, but be of good cheer, for I've already overcome the world, and I've deprived it of power to harm you. Say, that's me. So we should be of good cheer because we have the Word of God. We're creating the image and likeness of God, and we are designed to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. So in the beginning, we've learned, uh, I'm just going to read a few of these scriptures. Psalm chapter 8, verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Say, that's me. So this is God talking about mankind. He's made us to have dominion over the works of his hand. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over. And it goes on, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, over the cattle, over everything that creeps upon the earth. The word dominion. 
means to be established as a sovereign kingly ruler, a master, a governor, responsible for reigning over a designated territory with the inherent authority to represent and embody as a symbol the territory, resources, and all that constitute the kingdom. So in other words, that's God saying dominion is a part of the word of God being made flesh and dwelling among us. And when we're walking in dominion, it's working from the inside out. Dominion doesn't come from the outside in. Dominion happens from the inside out. Dominion in the spiritual realm doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. See, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And when we were separated because of Adam's sin, we were separated from God. Through Jesus, we come back into relationship with God. Now we're one with God, and through the renewing of our mind, we strengthen our soul. We bring our mind, will, and emotion back into alignment with God so we can walk in dominion out here. But the dominion first has to take root in here and realized in here before we can ever walk in it out here. And he says, we're responsible over a designated territory. Whatever sphere of influence we're called to, we have a responsibility to walk in dominion in that territory. Are you with me? So he says, Revelations 22, verse 5. We went over this uh, last night. There shall be no, no night there. They need no lamp or nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever so in the beginning, we were created in the image and likeness of God to rule and reign. That was God's original design. You go to the very back of the book, the back of the Bible. We are going to rule and reign forever in Christ Jesus. So we might as well get used to it, right? Revelations 5.10 says, And he made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So we saw that a priest comes near to hear. Then a king, once he hears, then he executes. That's you and I. We are called by God to come near to here in relationship with God because of Jesus. We hear what he's saying and then we execute. Remember, so we were separated from God, lost dominion and authority. Adam gave that dominion and authority over to Satan. Jesus came to get the dominion and authority back. And then right before he exited and went to the right hand of the Father, who did he give the dominion and authority back to? us, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, say all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, th go therefore and make disciples. So Jesus is saying, I've got all the dominion and authority. I'm going to exit out of here, but I'm going to leave the dominion and authority down here on earth for you. Say for me. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. And these signs will follow those who believe. Pause. Is that me? When I read that in the Bible, do I truly believe God's word? Do I truly believe what Jesus died to give me? Do I truly believe that I was created in the image and likeness of God and I'm created by God and God expects me to rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus? Do I truly believe I'm supposed to reign over my finances? Do I truly believe I'm supposed to reign over my physical body? Do I truly believe it? He says, if I believe these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now, whenever he says they will take up serpents, he's referring, if you deal with the enemy in any form or fashion, it ain't going to hurt you. Whenever Paul got off the boat and he shows up on the island and the snake bites him, he shook it off and he kept going. He goes on to say, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Say they will. 
And the disciples, they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Pause. Are you giving God anything to work with? Because it says the Lord went out working with them. And these signs accompanied. Accompanied means that they, they went along with. Accompanied means that they, just like in a partnership, they showed up because they believed and they did the word of God. God watched over his word to perform it and his will was manifest on earth as it is in heaven. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority and power, say me, to trample upon serpents and scorpions, physical and mental strength in the Amplified, and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses, and nothing shall in any way harm you. John 14, verses 12 through 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the work that, that, that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father, and whatsoever you ask, or the word ask in the Greek is demand, whatever you demand in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you demand anything in my name, I will do it. So we see that God has given us authority on this earth. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us power in the blood of Jesus. He's given us the name of Jesus. He's given us dominion and authority to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. But it's only going to work for those who are willing to believe it. It's only going to work for those who are willing to execute God's word. It's only going to work for those who are willing to put feet to their faith. It's not enough to, to come to church on the way to lunch. It's not enough just to play with it. We've got to be hearers and doers of God's word. God's desire is that we rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Say that with me. I rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. Now, remember, Jesus isn't going to come back for a defeated church. It says that Jesus is being withheld until the opportune time. Acts chapter 3, it says the opportune time is whenever the body of Christ is walking in complete restoration. What does that look like? See, He's waiting on us. We're not sitting here waiting on Him. He's waiting on us to get our stuff in motion and to be doers of the Word of God. Anytime God restores something, He makes it better, He multiplies it, or increases it. See, restore means that if, if this Bible were to fall on the ground, just like man fell from relationship with God, if I pick the Bible up and stick it back on the stool, it's not restored. See, restoration means that it's going to go back to its original place. And when God restores something, He's not only going to bring us back to where Adam was originally designed to be in relationship, but when He restores, He makes it better, He increases it and multiplies it. He expected Adam to be the very beginning and he expected us to multiply, subdue the earth, be fruitful, to take his word and reach the world, to, to turn the world around. So we're not just getting by Luke chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. It says that Jesus, you know, that we're supposed to occupy until he comes. The word occupy doesn't mean pop a squat and do nothing. The word occupy means to advance and to hold, to advance and and to hold, to use our gifts, our callings, our talents, our strengths for the glory of God, to go forward and to hold our ground. Not to go forward and then go backwards, but to go forward and say, ah, oh, devil, because you can make some progress and the devil will do everything he can to get you backwards again. 
But that's where we have to understand, uh-uh, there's going to be a fight, but you and I are equipped by Almighty God to win. We are designed by God to rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. We're supposed to advance and hold our ground. Advance and hold our ground. Advance and hold our ground. But we can't do that without the Word of God coming out of our mouth, the Word of God on our mind, the Word of God in our heart, and being doers of the Word of God just one day at a time. Sometimes we look at everything that's going on and just, how about today let's show up? How about today let's renew our mind? How about today let's put God first? How about today let's rule and reign? Speak to our finances. Speak to our physical bodies. Speak to our relationships. We rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. Say, I rule and reign. I rule and reign. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you're going to believe you more than you believe anybody else. Even when it doesn't feel like you're ruling and reigning, you keep talking like a ruler and reigner. Even when it looks contradictory, your body doesn't feel like you're ruling and reigning, your finances doesn't look like you're ruling and reigning, your situation doesn't look like you're ruling and reigning, you keep declaring because it has to change. See, the, the fact is there might be a symptom. The fact is there might be no money in the account. The fact is it might look totally different, but the truth, which is God's word, always supersedes the fact and truth will change the fact. So don't harp on the fact Focus on the truth and say the truth and the truth is the highest form of reality. God's word is the highest form of reality. And we take God's truth, we apply it to the fact and the natural changes. He puts his super on our natural. You with me? So I'm glad I came tonight. Go with me to James chapter four. And as, as we're, we're getting into this tonight, ruling and reigning in this life through one man, Christ Jesus, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage the people watching, don't water down the word of God to match your experience. That's how denominations get to where they're at. Because they, they prayed and they didn't see it, so they changed God's word to match their experience. They prayed for somebody and the person died instead of got healed, so they changed what God's word says to match their experience. Or they prayed for increase and it didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen, and so they changed God's word to match their experiences. Do not water down God's word, regardless of what we've gone through, regardless of how we missed it. God's word is God's word, and God's word is always right. It never changes. It's always truth, period. Lord told me this the other day. He says, Trey, the level of your persuasion determines the level of your progress. You can't go any higher than you're persuaded. So you're in a battle. If you're not persuaded that God's going to show up, you're going to get your tail kicked. Yeah, you can play tiddlywinks and you can go through the motions and you can be religious and oh, bless you, brother, and go through the motions, but you're going to live like everybody else. But in order to take territory and possess the land, we can't go any higher than our level of persuasion. How persuaded are you that God is your healer? How persuaded are you that God is your provider? How persuaded are you that God favors you? How persuaded are you that you are created by God to rule and reign in this life through one man, Christ Jesus? The level of my persuasion determines the level of my progress. You with me? James chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. And I don't say are you with me because I, I think that you're not with me. I'm saying it because I, I'm wanting you connecting with your heart. I'm wanting that word to penetrate your heart. I'm not looking at your flesh. I'm looking at the real you because it's the word of God. It's feeding our spirit man. It's strengthening our spirit man. Jesus said man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why? Because every word that comes out of the word of God wrapped with the anointing of God is a carrier of the life of God. So when it goes into a heart that is 
is expecting to hear God, when it goes into a heart that's receptive, then it's just like a, a man and woman making a baby. There's a spiritual igniting on the inside of you and things begin to germinate. Things begin to happen that God's will is stern on the inside of you and eventually you're going to give birth to the thing that God put on the inside of you. James chapter 4 verse 6, he says, But he gives more grace... Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to read that again. But he gives more grace. Say more grace. More grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So remember, Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, God, there's, there's much more grace, abundance of grace. Those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, those are the ones who rule and reign. Right? Right here he says, God gives the grace. Who does he give the grace to? The humble. Right? So, so grace is an extension of God's ability to bring you and I in relationship with Him. God's grace is upon His Word to bring us into a place of an, it's an empowerment by God for us to do His Word, to walk in relationship with God. And He says, He gives His grace to the humble. Remember, it's the ones who receive the grace. The word receive means to take. The ones who take the grace are the ones who rule and reign. But he resists the proud. So if God gives grace, who does he give grace to? The humble. I want that to be me. If he resists the proud, that's either sinner or saint. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're walking in the grace of God as far as to fulfill your assignment. You've got the grace to be saved, but the empowerment to walk in God's will on earth as it is in heaven comes to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the one who realizes that I need Jesus. He gives grace to the one who realizes that without Him I'm nothing. He gives grace to the one who realizes that only because of the blood of Jesus do I belong in the presence of God. He gives grace to the one that realizes without your word, Father, I'm not going to know your will, I'm not going to know your heart, I'm not going to know your presence. But Father, I know that with you and your grace... I can do anything you've called and created me to do. I can overcome any circumstance. I can overcome any situation. I can go everywhere I'm called to go, do everything I'm created to do, and we can get it done for the glory of God. He gives grace to the humble. Say, that's me. He gives grace to the humble. Now, I wrote this in your notes that there is, is freedom. Now, now, think of this. Staying in the place of humility is so important because pride, that's, that's the nature of the devil. Humility is the nature of our Heavenly Father. God says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. Grace to the humble. Grace to the person who says what God says. Grace to the humble, the person who thinks what God's Word says about him, who does the Word of God. Grace, true humility isn't you're a worm, you're no good, you're nothing. True humility is saying, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I am blessed coming in and going out. I am the head and not the tail. True humility says what God says, not what I feel. True humility, He gives grace to the humble. Now, now notice this, verse 7, Therefore submit to God, 
resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want you to get that in your heart. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resisting the devil sounds like ruling and reigning. Right? Y'all talk to me. Does it sound like ruling and reigning? When the devil, you tell the devil, get out of here, and he leaves. Now, when I'm saying the devil, anything that kills, steals, and destroys... Any work of the devil, he says, you resist him and he has to flee. Resist him and he has to flee. We all like that, right? How do I position myself to resist the devil and he has to flee? How do I position myself to speak to sickness and it has to flee? How do I position myself to speak to the financial barrier or bondage that I'm dealing with and it has to break? How do I position myself? He says, therefore, submit to God. The word submission, sub, S-U-B, means to come under. Mission is the mission of God. Am I coming under the mission of God? Am I coming under the way that God does things, or am I going to do it my way? Because if I'm not submitted to God, I'm submitting to the devil. I know that's, that's, that's a stout statement, but if we are not submitted to God, then who are we yielding to? So if I'm yielding to him and I'm submitting to him, what makes me think I can turn around and resist him? It ain't going to happen. Submit to come underneath submission, to come underneath God's mission, to come underneath God's way of doing things, to come underneath his word, to come underneath his structure, to come underneath his heartbeat, submit, do it God's way. He says, then you resist the devil and he has to flee from you. See, there's no freedom in rebellion. And this society, the devil has pumped it into our society from little bitty kids, all the social media, the TV, the radios, rebel, 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 because you can't rule and rebel at the same time. You can't be submitted to the enemy and resist him and him flee at the same time. We're talking about ruling and reigning in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Say, that's me. So, submitting to God is giving God His place. His place. Where, where is God's place in my life? Where is God's place in my finances? Where is God's place in my physical body? Am I giving God His place? Submit to God, then you resist the devil, and then the devil has to flee. Am I submitted to God? Not just while I'm at church. Am I submitted to God? Now, I'm not saying every one of us are a work in progress. Thank God for the blood of Jesus, the mercy of God. We're going to miss it. We're going to make mistakes. But that's where the grace of God comes in. That's where the mercy of God comes in. That he knows. That's where a man of God, God knows. I don't, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want to miss it. And so one thing I learned years ago, the quicker I repent... And the quicker I forgive myself and get back in the game, the stronger I get. The faster I mature. God will never bypass the process of growth and maturity, but He will speed it up if you'll stay in it. I don't care who you are, how good looking you are, how much money you have. I don't care if you're white, black, green, yellow, blue, whatever. He is not going to bypass the process for anybody. But He will speed it up. And age does not determine maturity. I know a lot of old people that are still wearing diapers. But I also know young people that are very spiritually mature. 
Because they're hearing and doing. They're hearing and doing. Who does God give His grace to? The humble. Who does He resist? Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Woo, we're having fun tonight. Now we're talking about ruling and reigning. I'm telling you, this is life-changing of us understanding, giving God His place in my life. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to Him, pleading with Him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Notice the Lord never said he would not heal somebody. You can't find it in the Bible. When somebody come to Jesus in faith, he didn't say, God's trying to teach you a lesson. He didn't say, not right now. He said, I will come and heal him. Now, I wrote this in your notes because I was just praying over this. And in this story, and I'm just going to kind of interject it, do a touch and go. I have a sense that the paralyzed servant is the state that the body of Christ has been in. And when we get these things right, the ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus, this gets a halt on the inside of us because this servant was also under authority. And this servant received his healing and the power of God raised this servant up to be exactly who he was created to be. But the body of Christ has been in a paralyzed state because we have brought the thinking process of the world over into the church and tried to apply the world's way of doing things in the kingdom of God. And God can't show up when we're doing it our way instead of his way. So I just want to leave that there and we'll keep going. Verse 8. And the centurion answered and said, Lord... I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Notice what he said right here. But only speak a word. Only speak a word and my servant will be healed. What was he, what was he doing? He was recognizing that Jesus operated in authority and dominion. He did not see Jesus as the Son of God. Very few people even had an inclination that Jesus was the Son of God. He recognized the authority. He recognized the anointing. He recognized the presence of God in him. That when Jesus spoke, he saw Jesus calm the storm. He saw Jesus raise the dead. He saw Jesus open the blind eyes, the deaf ears, cast out devils with what? His word. Why? Ecclesiastes 8, 4, because where the word of a king is, there's power. He said, all you have to do is speak the word, and I know my servant will be healed. He was recognizing the authority. He was recognizing, um, go, go, go to verse 9. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, notice what he's saying right here. He, he, he goes through the whole process and he says, I, I'm realizing because when I speak, things happen. See, he didn't get to become a centurion being lazy. He didn't become a centurion by being sloppy. He didn't become a centurion by being a, a person that is lack of discipline. The Roman government, the Roman army, they were the highest. They were the elitist. They were, had a spirit of excellence in them and on them. So whenever they said something... They were told to do something. They didn't try to talk their commander out of it. They didn't sit down for a discussion. 
It wasn't even their thinking pattern to open their mouth. It was, they were trained to do exactly what they were asked to do. So they understood when they saw Jesus speak something, it happened. And he was sitting back and he was watching the dominion and authority that this man walked in. A man just like you and I, anointed by the Spirit of God up on the earth. And he recognized, okay, I'm seeing something here that whenever I give my men a command, they don't back talk. Whenever I say go, they go. When I say come, they come. And I've watched you, Jesus. When you say to that sickness, get out of here, it happens. So Jesus, I'm not going to try to talk you out of your heart. I'm not going to talk you out of your power. You just say the word. I know the sickness has to leave. And sure enough, the man was made whole when Jesus just spoke the word. Didn't even have to go there. See, God gives grace to the humble. And Jesus stopped and he, he gave a, a teaching moment here. He says, I haven't found this great of faith in all of Israel. The disciples are right there with him. He said, in all the churches I've been to, I haven't seen faith like this because they understood the structure and the kingdom. They understood authority. Submit, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Remember, resisting the devil and him fleeing is ruling and reigning. But how to opposition to rule and reign? Submit to God. Give God his place. Give God his place. Give God His place. Give His Word its place. When I'm saying that, I'm not saying be religious. I'm talking about how do I get results? How do I walk in the power of God? Give God His place. Honor the worship. Honor the offering. Honor the Word. Honor the men and women of God. Honor. Do, do I really carry God's Word in His presence with a, with a humility that God, Your presence is more powerful than anything? Because in the church, we, we go to one ditch or the other. Some people think honor and reverence means dead, slow, boring, fall asleep, don't do anything. But then there's the other side of the ditch where there's no reverence, there's no honor, there's no respect for the things of God. We want to bring God down to be our buddy and our friend, and that's all He is. Now, God is. He is faithful. He's a good dad. He's our friend. He wants to be there. But to walk in the power of God, there has to be a restoration of reverence in the kingdom of God. Reverence and honor for the things of God is a must for the, for the power of God to show up consistently. And that's what God is doing in the body of Christ around the world. I believe there's a restoration of honor and reverence for the things of God that has to come back into place before God turns up the power. God cannot and will not turn up the power if He is not honored. Submit to God, give Him His place, then we resist the devil, then we resist the sickness, then we resist the lack, then we resist the tumors, then we resist the demons, and they have to flee when God has His place. Say, give God His place. Say it like you mean it, give God His place. And so you see verse 10, when Jesus heard it, He marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, as we, we, we kind of we, we turn the page here, so we see how He understood. He reverenced the Word of God. Jesus, you speak the Word only. And I'm seeing how this authority and dominion works because God is wanting us to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Right? Say, that's me. So as we read these next scriptures, I want us to keep a, a big picture mindset that God is good, God is faithful, God is not a child abuser, God always has our best interest at heart. Okay? So everybody smile. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, 22, then we'll skip down to verse 33. We're talking about reverence. We're talking about humility. We're talking about God's grace. We're talking about ruling and reigning. Verse 21 in the Amplified, it says, Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. As a service to the Lord. As a service to the Lord. However, let each man of you without exception love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. Without exception. Without exception, love his wife as being in a sense his very own self. Now as we read something and you see God talking to the woman, it's the same principles God is talking to the man concerning other relationships. So, so notice what he goes on and he instructs. And let the wife see that she respects, reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, esteems him, and that she defers him, praises him, and loves and admires him exceedingly. Now there's no telling what kind of notes I'm going to get over this one. But God has our benefit on his mind. So men, when God is speaking to the woman, notice it is, it is not right for me to tell Heather to submit. God wasn't talking to me. He was talking to her. Just like in this ministry, the, as, even when I was pastoring church and everything, you, you, I was not going to tell anybody to submit. That is not my job. It is for their benefit if they do submit. My job is to know God and my job is to lead. But you can, you can be guaranteed something that we're not going to do things your way just because you want them done that way. Submit, sub, and, and, and we know that that's not a popular word in culture today. But if we want to rule and reign, he's saying, okay, woman, get past looking at the faults in the man and realize when you honor and respect your husband, it empowers you to honor and respect a God that you can't see. Men, the same way, one thing that we've always got to check is that if I'm not honoring the authorities in my life, so we've got to ask, okay, how am I honoring the police officers? How am I honoring the president? How am I honoring men and women of God? How am I honoring the leaders of wherever I'm at? Because to the degree of my honor is to the degree of my humility, and the degree of my humility determines the amount of grace that I walk in. So I can't expect to be rebellious to my boss, rebellious to the president, rebellious to men and women of God, rebellious to any authority, and expect to walk in dominion and authority. I can't rebel and rule at the same time. Women, at the same time, you can't expect to rule and reign in this life if you're rebellious against the leader that God has chosen to be put in your life. He is, when God sets up structure of authority, it's for protection. It's for his presence. It's for our benefit. He is a good dad. He knows what he's talking to regardless of what the world thinks. Are you with me? He goes on to Ephesians chapter 6, so he talks about husbands and wives. Uh, remember James 4, 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. Say, he will flee from me. Amen. Ephesians 6, 1, 2, and 3. Amplified, it says, Children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord as his representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise that all may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That all may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. So he's talking Ephesians 4. He's talking about the structure of the church. Ephesians 5. He's talking about the relationship between husband and wife. It all has to do with honor. It all has to do with respect. We're talking about how do I rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. I submit to who? To God. I give him his place. I'm submitting to his way of doing things. He says, then we resist the devil and he has to flee. So he goes from husband and wife, then he goes right in and he starts talking about kids and their relationship with the mom and dad. Why? It's not about the mom and dad. He said, this is the first commandment with promise. And if they obey this, it will go well with them and they will live long on the earth. Ruling and reigning is well. Being provided for is well. Why, why would God say that? Because it's not about mom and dad. It's about it being the first people that a child sees when they come into this earth. Because a child doesn't understand every single thing about God. So God chooses a mom and dad, a family structure, and he sits this, sits this kid in this family and structure. And he says, as you learn to honor your mother and as you learn to honor your dad, and you might even disagree with them, but you learn to honor and respect them. You're being taught how to honor a God that you can't see. So if we don't teach our kids to honor mom and dad, they're not going to honor coaches. They're not going to honor the president. They're not going to honor bosses. Psychology teaches us that we need to be buddy-buddy and best friends with our kids. And there comes a time that we need to stand up and be their parent and not their friend. Because if they think it's okay to argue with you because you're friends all the time, then they're going to feel like they have a right to argue with their teachers. They're going to argue with their coaches. They're going to argue with any authority. It's going to go all the way down the line because they weren't taught to honor mom and dad from the very beginning. On the other side, moms and dads and leaders, if we don't honor our place, then we don't step into His grace. I've got to honor the place that God has given me as a husband. I've got to honor the place because if I don't honor being a dad, my kids aren't going to honor it. If I don't honor, Paul said, I magnify my office. If I don't honor this place of ministry, nobody else is going to honor it. If I don't honor my place, if I don't take my place first and foremost as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus... If I don't take my place as being delivered from the power of darkness, if I don't take my place of my armor, my shield of faith and my helmet and my sword and my shoes and my belt and you just go to, if I don't take my place, I give God his place, then I've got to take my place. Because if I don't give God his place and I'm not empowered to take my place, then I give the devil place. But if I give God his place and I take my place, then I give the devil no place. But it starts with giving God his place, me taking my place, giving the devil no place. How do I rule and reign? I give God his place. How do I rule and reign? I take my place. How do I rule and reign? I give the devil no place. So it goes back to honor, respect, reverence of the things of God. How do I walk in dominion and authority? I always check my level of honor. Always check my level of reverence. Always check, am I truly submitted to God? Not with my mouth, 
but with my heart and with my life. See, it's easy to submit as long as you're in agreement. Right? We think, oh man, you're the smartest person ever. I mean, we're seeing eye to eye. I mean, it's easy to submit. Submission doesn't come until there's a disagreement. That's when it's a flesh crucifier. But see, that's when I trust that God is good, God is faithful, He knows what He's doing, and if I trust the Spirit of truth to lead and guide me into all truth and I apply the truth, that even if for some reason the boss or any authority, if they're getting out of alignment, God is going to protect me, God is going to provide for me, God is going to direct me. Why? Because I am submitted to Him and I might not agree with the person in the office, but I respect the office. I might not agree with the decisions they're making, but I keep my mouth shut and I pray. I pray. I pray for those in authority. I pray for the president. I pray for um, the, the policemen, the firemen. We pray for our leaders. There's a reason for that. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 2, whenever Peter, he says, in, in this verse 13 through 17, look at it in your own time. When Peter, he says, all right, it's very important that we honor God. We honor the king, we love the brotherhood, but we, we honor all of those in authority. You know who Peter was talking about? King Agrippa, Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa, there was, a, there was a dispute going on between the Jews and the Christian, and he wanted the popular vote, so the Jews, they had the majority. So what he did, he arrested James and he arrested John, James being the half-brother of Jesus. He arrested the two so he could win their favor. He brings James in, cuts his head off. When this happens, the church really gets to praying. They were praying before, but when this happened, they really get to praying. And so they intercede. So he was going to bring Peter in and cut his head off too. But the church was fervent about praying. God sent an angel to Peter, opened up the jail cell, set him free. And then this is the king that Peter is saying, honor God, honor all of those in authority. He was talking about King Herod Agrippa who had just cut James's head off. You talk about a man who understood authority, that he saw his buddy get his head chopped off, and he's saying, you need to honor the man? Somebody just cuts us off in traffic or just disagrees with us one time, we get our feelings hurt and we're in a counseling session for a month. And here's a man that's saying, okay, it's very important that you honor the king. Now, of course, King Herod Agrippa, he goes on and he tells everybody that he's a god after this and he gets eaten up with worms. But because of Peter's respect and honor for authority, he was protected and he was spared. Let's keep going. James 4, 6 and 7, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So you see here in the notes, this is very important to get on the inside of us, to rule and reign... We must give God His place. We must take our place and give the devil no place. I want you to have that rolling off of your mouth. Give God His place. Take my place. Give the devil no place. Give God His place. Take my place. Give the devil no place. Give God His place. Say, give God His place. Take my place. Think about it. Take your place as a husband. Take your place as a wife. Take your place as a leader. Take your place as a mom or dad. Take your place and give the devil no place. Delegation is very important to God. Very, it's a big deal to God. Look at number 16, verses 2 through 3, 2 and 3. And they arose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 200 city leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, 
they gathered, notice this, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you take too much upon yourself for all the congregation is holy. Every one of them and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? You've heard this before. People say, who do you think you are? Now, I want you to think about this. Let's say, men, you're at the workplace. Women, you're at the workplace. Women in the relationship with the husband. Who do you think you are? I hear God, too. God's amongst all of us. What makes you think that you have the say-so? This is the attitude that they had when they come to Moses and Aaron. Who put you in charge? You think you're Mr. Big Pants? You keep going, verses 24 through 33, and God speaks up to him. This is Korah, this is Dathan, this is Abram. And God speaks up to Moses and he says, Moses, you need to tell anybody who's close to them, they better get out of the way because they're going to get caught up in their rebellion. They're going to get caught up in their sin. So Moses comes to, tells everybody to, to get out of the way and then Moses shows up, goes to their house and says, um, okay, guys, what, what we're going to do, if, if you just die of a natural natural death or whatever, then I was wrong. I wasn't chosen. I wasn't sent. He says, but if God does something different, like open up the ground and swallow you alive, he says, then we're going to know that I'm chosen. And it says, as soon as he got done speaking, the ground opened up and him and his family went down, sucked into the ground. Of course, then the, the Bible says the whole people, ah, you know, they freak out and they're taking running off. I mean, if it happened to them, it could happen to me, you know. Delegation is a big deal to God. Go to Numbers chapter 12. When God talks uh, in, about authority anywhere in the Bible, civil authority, social authority, church authority, family authority, the principles are the same, the way that God looks at it, because God is a, he's a good God. He's a good dad. He has our benefit on his mind. You with me? N Numbers chapter 12, you see right here, Aaron and Miriam... Um, and so I'll just summarize it here for you. Aaron and, and Miriam, Moses was the chosen one of God. You can look at it in your whole time, the whole chapter, Numbers chapter 12. It's phenomenal because then the next chapter, Numbers 13, God sends the 12 spies into the promised land and they start possessing the land. Joshua and Caleb, they get it. The others didn't. But right up before this, Aaron and Miriam, Moses, married an Ethiopian woman. They didn't like him marrying an Ethiopian woman. And so they felt like they had a right to speak up. Moses, why are you doing that? Moses, why do you think that you should do that? And God interrupts them. Comes down in the glory cloud. He says, you three, Aaron, Miriam. Miriam was a prophetess. Her prophecies are still in the Bible. Miriam and Aaron, they're all family. Brother, sister, Moses was the leader. God says, all right, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, out. Come here. Aaron and Miriam, you step up, the presence of God comes down, and he tells them, who do you think you are talking against Moses like this? They say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, we, just, we were just saying, who does he think he is? Why does he think he gets to call the shot? God speaks to us too. And God says, yeah, but I, I might visit you in a vision, and I might visit you in a dream, but when it comes to Moses, I speak to him face to face. I speak to him differently than I do you. The presence of God, the glory cloud comes up, and whenever the glory cloud lifts, Miriam was consumed with leprosy. Oh, 
Aaron looks at Moses and just starts pleading with him, please tell God to heal her. And so God went to Moses. I mean, Moses went to God and says, God, heal her. And God says, okay, well, if something was to happen, if she had an encounter, her dad would kick her out of the city for at least seven days before she's restored. So she's at least going to stay out of the city for seven days. After seven days, she was restored, completely healed, and structured. You never see them go against authority again after that experience. Delegation is a big deal to God. And in our society, people have no reverence for authority. They feel like they have an opinion about everything. They can backtalk the boss. They can backtalk the president. They rip him down. But that will not fly. That opens up the door for the enemy. If you are rebellious, you can't rule. How do I rule and reign? I submit to God. I give him his place. I take my place and I give the devil no place. But if I feel like I have a right to run my mouth about every single thing, I'm yielding to the enemy and I'm not going to be able to resist him when I need to resist him because I've been yielding to him and I can't resist the very one I'm yielding to. God gives his grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. It is very prideful and very arrogant for us to feel like I have a right to say something about everything. Because we feel like we have a vote. We have a vote about the, you know, why the boss should do this. We have a say-so about why this should happen, why that should happen. We, we have a vote. We've, you can't run, you can't operate in the kingdom of God with a democratic mindset. Won't happen. It is a kingdom. There is a king. There is rank, order, and authority. Now, this is another thing that you hear a lot of times. People say, well, we're all equal in the family of God. Yes, but no. We're all equally loved. But just like, I'm telling you, the kingdom of darkness is very structured. The kingdom of darkness understands rank, order, and authority. When it talks about rulers of darkness, it talks about principalities. It talks about, that's talking about order. It's talking about structure. And why are they able to do what they do? Because they understand order and a structure. But in the church, we want a free-for-all. And we just think everybody is just all equal and we all all equally love. But when it comes on the battlefield... It'd be just like if a military family. Let's say a military family, they're all loved at, at, at Christmas time. Nobody gets more gifts than the others. They're all in the military. They're all loved. They're having a good time. They get a call, get on the battlefield. When they get on the battlefield, they're no longer family. There's rank, order, and authority. Are they all still loved? You better believe they're all still loved. But it's no more, oh, Dad, come on. Why would you make that call for? It was not. You do what you're told. You be obedient. You obey quickly, quietly, and the power, their power, the government backs them up. It's the same way in the, in the kingdom of God. It's the same way in a family. There comes a time. Does God ever do that to us? Tell us to do something and doesn't want to hear our why and why and why and why every day. It's called walking by faith. But we want to argue and we want to ask why. Why? Why, God? Why? 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 Why, God? Why? 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 <laughs> And you know you're not going to get the next instruction until you quit your arguing and do the last thing God told you to do. If you have a tendency to argue with everyone about everything, you need to check your heart. Because that's a reflection of what you do to God. Because see, how you treat people is how you treat God. People say, well, I, I love God, but I hate people. Can't happen. 
First John chapter four, verse 10, it says it is impossible. He says this is what John says. You're a liar. That's a pretty stout word. You're a liar, 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 pants on fire. <laughs> but we say, why? Well, I, I hate people, but I love God. Me and God, we got this own. We got our own thing going. No, you don't. If you see a person that respects people, they respect God. You see a person that is in truly in love with God, they're going to be faithful, they're going to be loyal, they're going to be respectful, they're going to be kind. You can't act like an idiot out here and have an intimate relationship with God. Remember, pride, rebellion, anybody can, act, anybody can run their mouth, anybody can fly off the handle. Anybody can blow, just blow up and give somebody a good cussing. That's easy. And we've all done it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's easy. But it takes true humility to keep our mouth shut. It takes true humility to, to this can't get a hold of ourselves and walk away. It takes true humility. It's easy to run our mouth. It takes true humility. It takes true strength to control yourself and say, uh-uh, the old man is dead. Right? Now, you've heard me say this before, but man, it, it still just boggles my mind the way that, that, that people look at men and women of God. They look at men and women of God. If you're meek, the world looks at you as weak. And meek takes a lot of strength. Being, being respectful takes a lot of strength. When somebody runs your name through the mud and they stab you in the back and they tear you down or whatever, it takes a lot of strength to do the right thing, doesn't it? How do I rule and reign? I give God His place. I take my place. I give the devil no place. How do I rule and reign? I submit to God. Submit to God. Then I resist the devil. And then he flees. If I'm not submitted to God, he's not fleeing. If I'm not submitting to God, I'm not ruling and reigning. We rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Did you get something out of tonight? Can we give the Lord praise, the Lord? We'll give the Lord praise. <laughs> I want to pray over you. And uh, Father, we just love you so much. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your word. I'm, I'm grateful for revelation. I'm grateful for insight. And, and Father, we ask you to forgive us of, of any area of rebellion in our life. We ask you to forgive us for, for just uh, feeling like we, could, we have a right to run our mouth. Father, we want to we wanna know you. We want to honor you. We want to we wanna respect you. We want to walk in dominion and authority. We want to rule and reign in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. Father, if there's any offense, any unforgiveness in us, we ask you just to, to shine light upon it. We're going to get rid of it. We're going to get it out. We're going to forgive and release and let go. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. And I ask you to lead and guide us into all truth. Take us, take us into new places in our relationship with you. Turn up the power in our life. Help us, help us be stewards of our words. Help us be stewards of our thinking. Help us be stewards of our attitude. Father, I declare that there's a spirit of victory in this place. I pray that the businesses flourish and increase. I pray that the marriages are stronger than ever before. 
Father, that we do give you your place and we take our place. What an honor it is to be a husband and what an honor it is to be a wife. What an honor it is to be a parent. What an honor it is to be a part of your family and your kingdom. What an honor. What an honor. We take our place. Not only do we give you your place, we take our place. And devil, I let you know you have no place. You have no place in our family, no place in our finances, no place in our physical body. You have no place. I'm submitted to God. I resist you, devil, and you have to flee. I command you to take your hands off the businesses. I command you to take your hands off the resources. I command you to take your hands off physical bodies. I command barriers to be broken, obstacles to be brought down in the name of Jesus, strongholds to be, be obliterated right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you your place and we take our place and we run our race with grace, grace, grace. Father, as we seek your face, as we hear your heart, as we hear your word, that we are doers of your word and we are not hearers only. We make a decision. Devil, you can't steal this word from us. We are rulers and we are reigners in this life, in this life through one man, Christ Jesus. We honor you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.